0: To business with Bobby Kerr. brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now Tom Parlin um, has led a very interesting career uh, from a farmer, a farm activist, a businessman, a politician, and ending up uh, with 16 years uh, as the Director General of the Construction Industry Federation. Um, so he's seen his fair share of scraps, recessions, pandemics, and far more beside. But after 16 years of helping the sector navigate the good times as well as the bad, he's decided to hang up his boots and we wish him well in his retirement and he joins me now. Tom, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks, Bobby. Tom, can I just, before we come to the construction industry, like you led a full life before all that. Uh, Your early years uh, as a farmer, as a a farm activist, your involvement on the sheep committee in the IFA, which kind of brought you into a political route. To tell us a little bit about those earlier years.
1: Yeah, well, I suppose I was reared on a farm back in Coulderry in County Offaly. I still have my land down there. Um, and uh, I started out to work for myself as a contractor. Yeah. Started actually uh, cutting timber and selling firewood was my first sort of sideline as I was milking cows at home on the farm. Um, I was lucky then to mock on the farm. I won the Stephen Cullenan Scholarship to go to New Zealand. Okay. Because I was dairy farming at the time and it was back in... I suppose around 71, when we just joined the European Union. And right At that time, there was a big expansion in milk production. Um, and I suppose on a par with what happened in the last 10 years, as soon as quotas, it was big then. So I spent six months in New Zealand milking cows. And uh, whilst I was there, my younger brother, Joe, took over the running of the dairy farm. And by the time I came back, he had sort of ensconced himself, so I uh, continued to expand my agricultural contracting business, and uh, you got my into own land. you got into pigs then and sheep. Got into uh, pigs and a lot of sheep, suckler cows. So I was immersed in it. But then I got involved in the Irish Farmers Association and starting off at my branch in Kildare and working my way up to the county executive. And eventually I was national treasurer. I contested the presidency against John Donnelly and was fairly well beaten, but uh, stuck in there and contested yeah. it again four years later and was elected president. You
0: said as well that uh, politics was like a dirty hurling match. <laughs> uh, when you look back on all those scraps and all those campaigns, a lot of them were quite nasty
1: yeah but they were pretty uh, uh, aggressive and I suppose (laughs) hurling matches then were a different kettle of fish (laughs) now Uh, like you can't sort of look crooked at anyone on the field now Uh, and not only is it frowned on by the referee but it's frowned on by the public as well but that time you know giving someone a dig was quite acceptable and yeah. getting a dig you, you didn't go down uh, sort of rolling around uh, you stood up and took your punishment but you know certainly politics and I went in as was Lee Shoffley was traditionally Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael. it was either tr- three Fianna Fáil, two Fine or the other way around and coming in as a sort of a new uh, PD candidate, neither party. And you obviously. were you
0: you were you were courted by Fine Gale, isn't that right? As I remember back in the day, yeah, And you emerged as a
1: PD. The local organisation, uh, when it sort of leaked out that there might have been something going on, the local organisation went ballistic and said, you know, why would you parachute in, uh, you know, a stranger? Because I didn't really, absolutely, and people would query this still. I didn't have any political uh, uh, sort of leanings before True IFA you know, an IFA would frown upon people being involved one side or the other. So I didn't have any leanings. So uh, uh, certainly it was Michael Noonan uh, who approached me uh, because uh, Tom Enright at the time was about to retire. uh, But clearly uh, his family had intentions and and, uh, that was the case. They came along and underseed as well.
0: And, you know, you you got a junior ministry in the the Department of Finance. You had a good, uh, your first term with the PDs. The PDs were wiped out, you went with them. And again, the, the highs and lows, you just yeah, you're well, got was, used to brushing yourself down
1: yeah, it was and, fantastic rein, to, and reinventing yourself. It was fantastic to get elected. And like, it's a big honour, but it was really fantastic to get elected. I remember the count in leash. Um, uh, Brian Cowan was elected on the first count. Yeah. And I know in a previous poll, I had a slight chance of taking the fifth seat. That's as much of a, uh, it was a bit like in Galway last week. I was a total rank outsider. Uh, but lo and behold, shortly after Brian Cowan was announced elected, I was elected in the second place. Right. Uh, but it did sort of stir up both Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. I was a marked man from then on, but I had five wonderful years and a w- wonderful job. I was junior minister of finance. And what minister about the famous finance.
0: poster, Welcome to Parlin Country? Do people still talk about that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, it's funny how it's uh, And, you know, personally, I, I, I can't take credit for some of the good ideas or some of the bad ideas either. Some of my more, more uh, enthusiastic supporters used to sort of go on a solar run. But I remember I was actually on Joe Duffy about a different issue altogether. And, it, and somebody phoned in and say, I've just driven through Monster Evan and there's two guys erecting a Welcome to Parallel country poster. I think it was about decentralisation. And he said to me, Tom, what's this about? And so, Jesus, I was in the dark. I didn't know anything about this. Uh, Matt Moore, uh, my great uh, uh, supporter down there, and my director of elections had chosen to put this up, Amazing. so it got announced live on the air. And yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> great. So, Tom, uh, again, as I say, we you 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 said it was a great honour to to serve in politics. Uh, you you had your highs, you had your lows. You arrived into the construction industry federation. at at the end of a boom time. So I think the sector was worth 38 billion or something the year you started. So you came in here and said, this is going to be great.
1: Yeah, I suppose nobody realized it was the end of the boom. You know, (laughs) Uh, people thought that boom was going to, I think a a Taoiseach around the time said it was going to get boomier. Yeah. But uh, it was, uh, you know, it came out of the blue. I didn't know much about the CIF. I didn't know a much about construction. I was approached by a, a recruitment uh, a guy who said he was trying to fill the position and it had just occurred to him that I was uh, redundant. which i just lost my seat. And it was a shock to me. I wasn't expecting to lose my seat. Uh, So he invited me in for an interview and then I met some of the senior people in CIF. Uh, You know, I had to make a a number of propositions and so on to them. But I was was offered a job then and was delighted to take it. But as you said, it was the peak. And shortly after I joined, you know, we were building 88,000 houses a year Back in, in 2007. 2007, 88, okay. We're struggling now to build 30,000. Wow. You know, we have a, a government target of 45,000. So, you know, that capacity is in the industry. But, you know, the whole wherewithal. Now, you know, I have to admit some of the houses that were built at the time, the standard of them wasn't wonderful either. And certainly uh, right. the government and the industry have come together a long ways to, to up that Standard a lot, but they're obviously costing an awful lot more now as well.
0: We'll come to that in a second. But I, again, I want to ask you about managing that bust. You know when, you know people were being laid off, people were going back home to their countries, and you know all you were dealing with was bad news for I don't know what. Certainly three or
1: four years, oh, that's, and longer. And I suppose the CIF. It's the representative organization of the employers within construction. Uh, so, you know, the members are the people who employ the construction workers. But clearly, construction workers were laid off. Uh, what was the saddest of all was we had a massive lot of apprentices at the time. Yeah. And they were nearly forced to go. Uh, and that soured a lot of people and a lot of parents about apprenticeships because, you know, just when they thought they were on a, a, yeah. a, a path to a trade, uh, they lost their job, they had to emigrate and so on.
0: And that but, is, isn't that why something like construction can be the first to be hit and the last to recover? Because people say you really don't want to work in there because, you yeah, know, it is, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a dark yeah, space. It is
1: a problem that we've tried to overcome. Uh, And, uh, you know, but I suppose for the construction industry and for the employers, like uh, six of our top 10 turnover companies went bust that time with ferocious implications for those individuals and for a lot lot of other people who were trading with them and lost money. So it was a a horrific time. We lost over half of our staff. And I suppose for me, I was the new guy in. And next thing all of a sudden, I'm sitting down having discussions with really good, superb people uh, that, had done a great job for the CIF, yeah. but we couldn't afford to keep them. Like we had a, a policy that was laid down by our members who really run the organization say, we're not going to budget for a deficit. Yeah. So if the indications were, and the only income the CIF has or ever had was membership uh, subscriptions. Like there's no subvention okay. by anyone else. So if the members are not paying or not there to pay, and if their turnover is down, the income isn't there.
0: Let's come back to the present and again, your tenure of 16 years where you added a lot of value. But as you leave the Construction Industry Federation and you see, <clears throat> you know, you mentioned it yourself there, going from 88,000 houses a year down to 30 or 40,000. I, I know it's a very complex problem, but in, in as simple terms as you can, what is the solution?
1: Right. Well yeah. I suppose like we certainly have a housing shortage now, there's no question about that. Uh we should be building more houses. Uh really there's a number of problems, but the planning system is just, you know, uh it's it's a disaster at the moment. Yeah. I saw some figure lately where uh, back in in, in in that time or traditionally Board Panola approved about I think close on 90% of the planning applications. I think it's down about 25% now. Uh, So there are capacity issues there. Um, Like our population has grown, and the powers that be through the CSO and so on uh, didn't make allowances for the increased population, both in terms of our inward population and inward uh, immigration as well. We're a popular place for people to live, we're full employment and so on. So planning is a major problem. And unfortunately, uh, people who are uh, objecting to planning seem to have a much bigger clout now in holding things up. And the latest thing that's really is a disaster for the industry is these judicial reviews. Yeah. And I only saw in the last 24 hours where uh, uh, I think about close on 200 houses down in County Kildare was refused again an appeal to the High Court. Yeah. So we have the, the judiciary now becoming planning experts and just that's not a good uh, signal. So planning is one issue. Uh, Clearly, recently in particular, inflation and building materials have increased the cost. Uh, There was a time when if you announced a housing project or an infrastructure project, the first big thing was there's going to be uh, 500 construction jobs. Now it's a headache where are we going to get the 500 workers to build out this project? The and that's not That's not just a, an Irish problem, that's a, a global problem. So there's a number of shortcomings And, short and, and finally, can
0: I ask you, Tom, about, you know, you said it earlier there, about attracting young folk into the into what is a, a pretty good industry and to get away from the stigma of an apprenticeship being a, a bad thing. Like mm. a, a, a good apprentice with the right qualification, I think, as you've said it yourself, can work anywhere in the world and earn good money. Why wouldn't we be promoting that?
1: Yeah, and I think we are now. We have a new minister, uh, Simon Harris, for further education. uh, And I think uh, we have, through the CIF... Uh, in the past a construction uh, uh, sector group which you know in agriculture in my time we had a minister for agriculture two junior ministers at the department of agriculture construction is worth way more than the entire agricultural uh-huh. and food exports business at 32 billion now and yet there isn't <clears throat> but we, at least we have a good top civil servants now that are looking at that and investment into centers of excellence into training into upskilling and all of that
0: okay well listen you've lived you've lived a great Life so far, you've added a lot of value along the way. You've had your ups, your downs, and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more from Tom Parlin uh, in the future. So thanks for
1: joining us this morning, Tom, and wishing you every well. Yeah. Yeah. Just wanting uh, a friend of mine who shares my birthday <laughs> texts me this morning. He says, Tom, remember, uh, you're rewiring, not retiring.
0: There so. you go. A rewired Tom Parlin here. Thanks very much and every success.